Thank you, Randy. Thank you, worship team. Good morning once again. Morning to you who are online. We have no printed materials this morning. Um, as you can imagine, getting the carpet put in, everything was unplugged, and so there's no bulletin, and there are no notes. So take notes for, for yourself. Let me take a note right here. Nobody's listening. Great. <laughs> Ah, well, it's good to be here. Good to be here with you and with you online. My favorite place to be. We are in a series um, that we call Life Hacks, and it's based around a book by Max Lucado called How Happiness Happens. And a life hack is, is really a contemporary term for a biblical principle that was founded many, many years ago. In these days... Um, you know, there are a lot of people looking for shortcuts all the time. And, and the life hack is, is an idea of something that you can do to make life easier. You know, try this one thing. You know, you see that stuff all the time. Do this one thing. Biblically, we call them the one another's. God had them way before modern psychology had them. Instructions on how to live with one another, how to... to make each other happy, to, to, to survive with one another. And there's a whole bunch of them in the New Testament. But if you kind of pare them down, you can get to about nine or ten of them, and we're kind of working our way through the, these one another's. And uh, I've got a list of them up here, I believe. There we go. Encourage one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Value, serve, bear, pray, forgive, and love one another. We began the series about four weeks ago, talking about happiness. And I don't know if you remember, I gave you a challenge. 100 happy people in 40 days. I don't know how many people have taken that challenge. I'll tell you what, that's a tough one. That is really hard. But just keep working at it if, if you've done it. Um, we followed that up with encourage one another. And the challenge that morning was to build intentional praise into your life. Think about intentionally praising people to encourage them and lift them up. Last week, we talked about accepting one another. Everybody's got a Levi in their lives. They've got that person that is fundamentally opposite to them. Well, how do we accept those people in our lives? This week, it's a toughie. Admonish one another. So I announced this at the men's breakfast yesterday. I said, tomorrow's admonish one of them. And there was a, like a, ooh, that went across the room. It was like, oh. You don't hear very many sermons on admonishing one another. What does it mean to ad- admonish? Well, typically when we think of the word admonish, we think about telling someone off, correcting behavior, criticism, nagging. It, it's not necessarily a, a positive thing can be kind of tricky. Woman's walking down the road and, and there's a beggar on the side of the road and he looks at her and says, uh, you got any spare change, ma'am? And she looks at him and pulls out a dollar bill, gives him the dollar bill. And he says, thank you. And immediately she admonishes him. Don't thank me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because it makes me feel good. Right away, the guy gets back in her face. And, well, if it makes you feel go- so good, take your dollar back, and give me a 20, then you'll be ecstatic. <laughs> Admonishing is a tricky one because it can be associated with 
being judgmental, all the negative things that you hear about church, right? Oh, they're just so judgmental. They're so hypocritical, which is kind of why, as a pastor, you know, you steer away from subjects like this. Encouragement's a good one. You know, let's talk about encouragement because this one is so easily misinterpreted. However, we are instructed to admonish one another. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. The dictionary definition of admonish is to warn or reprimand someone firmly. The Greek word that is translated as admonish is sometimes translated counsel. It is nuthatio. And it means that the best nuance of it is to confront as a friend. To confront as a friend. Now, Jesus was the absolute master of admonishing. Now, my personal Bible study, I'm in Mark right now. And I got to Mark chapter 10 earlier this week. It, it, you ever get to a, to a passage of Scripture and there's just something about it? I, I read 10 like three or four times. It's like, man, there's so much in Mark chapter 10. And I've read it, I don't know how many times before, but there was stuff that was just coming out. It's like, God, did you just add that? This is new. I don't think it was in there last time. This must be the, the new version. And um, in Mark 10, there, there are two or three situations where Jesus admonishes. He starts off with the Pharisees. He admonishes the Pharisees. Then he admonishes his disciples. And then he admonishes some random guy that that comes up to him. It's it's a great, great chapter. Now, as I go through these, sometimes I'll get someone come to me afterwards. Oh, you know that one about the Pharisees, that there's so much more in it. We're not doing a Bible study on Mark 10. So I'm not going to dive into any of these things. We're just going to see how Jesus admonished these people and the pattern that he set for us. So first one, the Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they question him about divorce. And they're trying to trick him, trying to see if he could trip up over the law, the the legal. And it says uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, it says, Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them with a question. What did Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it. Gotcha. They replied. He said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote this command only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female. From the beginning of creation, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So he admonished them, he corrected them, and then he directed them, pointed them in the right direction. Next is the disciples. You go down to verse 14. Parents are bringing their children to the to Jesus for him to lay their hands, his hands on them and, and bless them. And the disciples, at this point, seem to think that they're Jesus' bodyguards. And, they, and they, don't, the teacher is too busy for this. Get the kids out of here. And in verse 14, it says, When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. 
For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone that doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So he admonishes them, he corrects them, and he directs them, points them in the right direction. Down in verse 17, this is the random guy. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asks. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. So he's speaking truth that you already know the answer to this question. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Now, without getting into this too deeply, it's kind of interesting how of all of the commandments, Jesus only focuses on the horizontal ones how we relate to one another. He doesn't address the vertical one. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So he admonished him. He corrected him. And he directed him. Jesus admonished all kinds of people. He admonished the Pharisees, those who were his enemies. He admonished the disciples, those who walked with him and lived with him and learned from him. And he admonished this guy that was just a stranger. He had genuine concern. He always soaked his admonition, if that's a word, in love, humility, and a desire for the best outcome in the recipient. Whether it's those who oppose him or with him or just some random stranger. He employed the three C's of admonition. He confronted their behavior. He was concerned for their well-being. And he offered a challenge to change. We are commanded to challenge and admonish one another. Now, the key to this life hack is the manner in which we do it. So let's go back to our theme verse, Colossians 3.16. Now, I'm going to switch to the New Living Translation, which doesn't actually have the word admonish in it. So I've put it up there in brackets, but it's not... You don't say brackets, do you? parentheses. It's not actually in that scripture, but it's the exact same Greek word there. But this, uh, the reason I like the New Living Translation here is it, it really catches the nuance of what it means to admonish. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel, admonish each other with all the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So here you see the atmosphere of admonishing. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Fill your lives. Be filled with the richness, richness of the message of Christ. What is the message of Christ? It's grace. It's love. It's hope. It's a better future. It's that no matter where you're at, 
you can be redeemed. You can be changed. You can be saved. There's something better for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got a future for you. Christ confronted erroneous behavior, but he did it in an atmosphere of grace, soaked in love, and lathered with hope. I see something better in you. And that hope is very, very important. You know, to be Christian, we must always see people through God's lens. The potential of what Christ can do in their lives. As soon as you gravitate to, you'll never amount to anything. You devalue the power of God who can change any life, any person, and make it better. And if you begin your conversation, whether you're admonishing or or encouraging, whatever it is, if you begin your conversation trying to see who God can change this person to be, it will change the words of your conversation. Because you're looking forward to a hope. You're not looking at you're not looking to criticize this behavior. You're looking to bring out the best in this person so that they can be all that Christ has called them to be. Teach and counsel, admonish each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Whatever we teach, whatever we counsel, whether it's corrective, instructive, transformative, it must be solidly, biblically based. It can't be your opinion. It can't be the world's opinion. It needs to be God's opinion. If you can't go to the Bible and find a sound argument, if you will, for for whatever it is you're talking about, then don't go there. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It's not just knowledge, it's how you use that knowledge. And then it says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, I don't think that speaks to the admonition so much, but it, it talks about the relationship. I mean, who do you sing hymns and spiritual songs with? People that you're kin with, right? It's, it's about this oneness in spirit and gratefulness. What's there to be grateful for? Well, if I've admonished you or you've admonished me and behavior has changed and I've moved towards Christ because of your help, I've got something to be thankful for. I've got something to sing about. We can sing together. We can be thankful together and celebrate what God is doing in our lives. Now, the key, like I said, is how this is done. I want to make this kind of practical. I've got seven brief bullet points for you on the art of admonishing. All right? Number one, you've got to earn the right. You have to earn the right. Check your ego at the door. Look in the mirror. Is there something in my life that I need to clean up before I go to this person and, and, and tell them what's going on in their lives. Take the beam out of your own eye before you look to clear the speck out of the other. And examine your motives. Do I have the relationship with this person that will allow me to deal with this issue? That I'm, Am I concerned enough about them that I've earned the right to speak this truth into their lives? If, if you've got that someone needs to tell them attitude, it's not you. You don't need to tell them. If you have a, I'm worried about them attitude, it might be you. 
It could be you. So number one, you've got to earn the right. You've got to have the relationship. You've got to have the respect. You've got to have the love. Number two, don't push. Guide. What do you notice about Jesus? He always asked questions. What did the Scriptures, what did Moses say about divorce? He got them to answer their own question. Oh, what do I need to do to get saved? You already know the commandments, man. He asked questions. He would draw it out of them. Asking good questions is is so important. I remember one time, years back, before I was a pastor, a young lady wanted to get baptized. But she was living with someone. And I remember one person saying, well, we can't baptize her because she's shacking up with someone. I thought, that might not be the correct route. And Sandra and I went and met with her, and and we knew that this was an issue, but, you know, what do you you say? So when we sat down, we talked about baptism, what baptism means, and then I just asked the question, where does your situation with your boyfriend fit with your baptism and, and, and what you want God to do in your life? I didn't have to say, oh, that's wrong, you know. I just asked that question, and immediately she, I know, I've been really struggling with that which opens the door. I've been really struggling with that. They must be ready. You can't force a round peg into a square hole. If they're not ready to listen, don't do harm by trying to push something before somebody's ready. And timing is everything. Valentine's Day is not a good day for admonition. Number three, come alongside them. Come alongside them. You don't want to be this person. You want to be this person. I remember years ago, before we lived here, when we lived up in Canada, my best friend was the pastor of the church. And uh, we were in small group ministry, leading a small group, and I can't remember at the time, I might have been the coach for the small group leaders. But sometimes, you know, life takes twists and turns, and Sandra and I ran into a rough patch. And it wasn't going very well. And I was angry a lot of the time. And people could see it. What's what's wrong with you? You know, every time somebody speaks, they could see it at work, they could see it at church, my friends could see it. And poor Sandra, she was the brunt of most of that stuff going on because it was between us. We had issues going on. And I was angry. And I remember Scott coming to me one day and saying, Mike, how can you lead a small group and talk about love and talk about grace and be teaching biblical principles when this is going on in your life? And I didn't like that question. What's it going to do? I can still teach God's truth. What what difference does it make? And and Scott said, no, it makes a difference. That's hypocritical. When you you act one way and teach something else, he said, I'm going to pull you back from from leading small group and, and what you're doing because you need to focus on you. You need to focus on your family. You need to focus on your marriage. I was so angry at him. I loved leading a small group. 
I loved the ministry that, that we had going, and, and to take it away from me, I was even more angry now. But he was right. He was 100% right. Now, here's where he moved it from this to this. He said, how can I help you? I was still angry. I'm still angry at him. (laughs) But I knew he did the right thing. And he said, here's what we can do. He said, every night at 9 o'clock, give me a call. Just tell me how your day went. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's aggravating you today so that we can talk about it instead of you and Sandra talking about it. Because I remember in those days, there'd be so many times when I thought I was so justified in what I had going on in my head and how right I was. And sometimes I had the patience to sleep on it and I'd get up in the morning and I'd think, what was I thinking? Well, having this call with Scott every night at nine o'clock, he said, before you say anything to Sandra, talk to me. Call me anytime you want. And every night we had a nine o'clock phone call and I would just spill whatever's going on and, and And we worked our way through it because he was with me. He was beside me. He wasn't against me. He wasn't in my face, even though I was still angry about it. And and what's so great about this situation is Scott is the very same person that came to me maybe a year or so later. We were having breakfast and he said, you know, Mike, I think God's got a call on your life. I think he's leading you into ministry at some point. But that other stuff had to be dealt with in the right manner, at the right way, at the right time, in God's way, for me to get there. And what's another little chapter to this, Scott moved. He moved to Michigan, where he's from. And about six or seven years ago, we went up to Michigan and visited Scott, and he was pastoring a church there. And while I was there, he said, how would you like to preach on Sunday? And uh, I preached a sermon in his church that Sunday. He'd never seen me preach. When he, when he first met me, I was the drunk bricklayer. And I preached that message. And afterwards, he came down. He gave me such a big hug. He said, it's just amazing to see what God has done in your life. I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Because he came alongside me when I needed it. And he is the one that taught me number four. You've got to love the person more than you love the relationship. Now, let me explain that. That's a very difficult one. Sometimes we're afraid to approach people on things that need to be changed in their life. They're hurtful, harmful things that they're doing to themselves, that they're doing to other person. But we don't want to risk the relationship. I like this relationship I've got with you more than I love you. And I'm not going to risk the relationship to confront you in love. It's wrong. And that's what Scott taught me. You've got to love that person more than you love the relationship. You've got to risk that relationship in order to bring them where they need to be in their walk with God. This is a tough one, isn't it? Number five, be ready for rejection. Who do you think you are? Tell me about... Nobody likes to be confronted. Nine times out of ten, anytime somebody's got something going on in their lives, that they're doing things that are harmful to them, harmful, they know that. They don't need you to tell them that it's harmful. They already know that it's harmful. So when you confront them with it, Sometimes they get defensive, and I got defensive with Scott. 
I got downright angry with Scott. Be ready for rejection. That doesn't mean that the relationship is over. Give them time to just process it a little bit. Give them a call the next day or a couple days later. Hey, man, you know, maybe I didn't come at that the right way. Here's what was on my mind. I'm just worried about you. Yeah, I know. You're still, I can't say that. (laughs) Pray, pray, pray. Pray before, pray during, pray afterwards. Keep praying. You want to do this in God's power, in God's strength, with God's guidance. And seek wise counsel, not gossip. Seek wise counsel. That doesn't mean you go to, have you noticed the way so-and-so's been acting? It's just downright. Pick that one person who's also close to that person and ask the question if you're not sure. You know, have have you noticed that that so-and-so's been really tense lately? Yeah, I noticed that too. What do you think's going on there? I, I don't know. I've been thinking that maybe I need to, to sit down and, and, and seek wise counsel so that there's two of you, so you know that your motive is right. You, you can think through your plan of action. How am I going to approach this? What's the right timing? What's the right words? How can we make the best of this situation? Oh, there's ten, not seven. I'm sorry. No, there's seven. <laughs> Look at Hector's face. When I said seven, I saw him go, huh? <laughs> All right, I'm not going to belabor this one long. There are two sides to this equation. The admonisher and the admonishee. It's not easy to be either of them. Neither one is an easy pill to swallow. It's difficult sometimes to summon up the, the courage to love someone enough to confront harmful behaviors, and it's difficult to be humble enough to open the door and allow someone to confront your harmful behaviors, to receive it in love. Too often, and this is what I find most often, the easiest thing to do is we're all going to learn to live with it. We're going to put up with it. Now, some things, honestly, some things you should just put up with. We're not perfect. I'll never close a toilet seat. No, I will, I will. <laughs> Some things, you know, that, that it's not worth it. But, they, but the important things, it is worth it. If it's harming our relationship, if it's harming you, if it's harming me, it's worth it. And someone has to confront it. So I'm going to close with this. Close number one. God loves us unconditionally, right? But he loves us too much to leave us in the condition that he finds us. His love's unconditioned, but somewhere inside of us, when you come to Jesus Christ, when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit enters you, the Bible says that you are transformed, but it's not, ta-da! You're being transformed into the image of Christ. And that's a lifelong process. It doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian walk. That process of being transformed is a lifelong process. It, it's like, you know, these sculptors. They see a chunk of rock. Or there's a chunk of rock. They don't see the rock. They, they see 
the statue or whatever it is that they're going to make, when God looks at us, when He first sees us, it's ugly. But He sees within us this image of Christ and He gets His chisel out and He starts to chisel off all of those things that we need to get bad habits, bad attitudes, bad behaviors, selfishness. He's going to start chiseling them off. Sometimes it's big old chunks. Sometimes it's... And then there's grinding and polishing to get it just perfect. And, and, and that can be a painful process. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes the chisel has flesh and bones on it. Sometimes it's his word. Sometimes it's a sermon or something you hear on the radio. More often than not, the chisel has flesh and bones, which is difficult. So a couple of questions for you, because this is a hard one. Can you recall a time when someone admonished you? How did it make you feel? I'm still a little bit angry at Scott. <laughs> Were you grateful? Was it justified? Did it make you better? Have you thanked them? Is there a conversation the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to have with somebody that you've been kind of putting off because just leaving the peace is easier than dealing with it? But there's resentment, there's anger, there's all kinds of stuff that kind of builds because you haven't had the conversation. Or let's flip it over. Is there a conversation someone's been trying to have with you, but you keep closing the door? You won't let them have that conversation. You know in your heart there's something going on. Something needs to change. They keep kind of approaching you, but you find a way to keep the barrier up. It's a hard one, this one. Prayer. God. I want to be the person that you've created me to be. I want to be the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's something in me that needs to change, and I pray that you would bring those people into my life to help me make that change. If there's somebody in my life that I know wants to be the image of Christ, but there's something going on and you want me to, to say something, God, give me the courage to approach them in a manner that brings glory to your name. Prepare the way, please, God. Amen? Now let me add this little footnote. I don't want everybody leaving here ready to reprimand somebody. <laughs> Pastor Mike said it's okay, said we got to do it, and I just been waiting for the opportunity, and now I have been verified. <laughs> Put this in your toolbox, all right? Put this in your toolbox for future use. This is not the time... I've got to be honest, I struggled with this because it, 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 it was the next thing in the series. But I'm concerned about something. Each week we're seeing more people. We're getting back to normal, aren't we? Whatever normal is, the new normal. This thing, if you look at the graphs, it's 
dive bombing just as fast as it came up. And there's a good chance in just a few weeks, we'll be completely back to normal, whatever normal is. And people will start to be a little bit braver. Some people that have been staying away might be thinking, hey, it's it's time to come back to church. Now, here's how Satan works. Anytime the kingdom of light seeks to move forward, the kingdom of darkness pushes back. Anyone ever heard of the Battle of the Bulge? It was a big offensive in the Second World War. More U.S. servicemen were lost in the Battle of the Bulge than D-Day. D-Day happened, stormed the beaches. It was bloody, but it went better than expected, and, and all the, the Allied troops started making headway faster than they had expected. But there was this one area in Belgium called the Ardennes that they kind of figured, you know, this, this is a safe place, and, and it was where they would send all the troops that had been either injured or they were shell-shocked, dealing with emotional stuff. This is a safe place for them. Well, Hitler realized this and thought, we can, we can push through this area and change the course of the wall. It, it, it will divide the, the Allied troops, and, and we can get to the coast. And he launched a massive attack right before the end of the war that cost more troops than D-Day. This is the time that Satan is going to want to attack. His attacks nearly always are internal. So this is a time when we all need to be very careful. So I've just given you this whole thing on admonishing one another. Now I want to finish that up by saying, be careful how you speak to one another right now. Because this is the time that Satan is going to want to try and bring division. He doesn't want to see these churches filling up and growing again and getting back to where we were two years ago. He loves the fact that, you know, our, gosh, Two years ago, if you said our average attendance was going to be 50 people, I wouldn't have been able to sleep. And now it's like, 50 people? (laughs) Be on your guard. Dampen everything you say with love and concern. Don't even make a joke that could be taken the wrong way. Because right now, it will be taken the wrong way. So that's just a warning from me to you. I've already seen Satan at work in this. And we need to just be praying through. And it's great. I mean, this is probably the most people I've seen in here in the last year. And people are starting to come back. And we need to be inviting people. There's your admonition. If you know somebody that's, that's kind of been staying away, they've been scared, it's been justified, hey, here's your time. Come on back. You need to be there in person. You need to fellowship with people. That's what we're called to do. So there's my challenge. Invite people. Be careful with what you say. Take this admonition stuff. Pray about it. Put it in the toolbox. And if God gives you opportunity to use it, use it God's way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to completely change gears on you. Mr. Linmore. Where are you, Mr. Linmore? Come on up here, Mr. Linmore. Most of you know Lynn. I'm sorry. 
Lynn has been attending Lakeway for many, many years. He's the guy that knows everybody's name. If, if I need to know somebody's name, I go to Lynn. Hey, Lynn, who's so-and-so and so-and-so? He knows them all. He knows where they sit, yeah? And he's the face when you come in and welcomes you, and, and it's a smile. He's what? Jake from State Farm. <laughs> well, Lynn is moving on. He is leaving us. Oh, I heard that. To go and serve in a ministry that takes place on Sunday morning at senior centers um, at a church where his wife is attending in Carrollton, where he lives. So Lynn used to live in the colony. That's why Lakeway became his home, and then they moved into Carrollton, and for a while he went there, and then he came back here because he loves us so much, and he's been coming here, but he drives past churches to get here, and his wife has begun to, to, to serve or be part of a church in, in Carrollton, and, and Lynn has got involved in this ministry at that church. So the other day we were talking about it, and I said, Lynn, we want to send you off. We want to pray for you. You've been a f- faithful servant here, and we love you. Oh, there's a microphone somewhere. I'm loath to give the microphone to Lynn. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but I have to, because I know he's got some, some tricks here. But before you get there, Lynn. Yes, sir. Every year at the men's retreat, Lynn was our um, MC. He would welcome everybody and... and Saturday night, every men's retreat, Lynn would have awards for everybody. Some of those awards, we had to talk to him about afterwards. I got admonished (laughs) many times. So we have some Uh awards for Mr. Uh Lynn Moore. (laughs) The Lakeway Certificate of Appreciation. And there might be some Uh more out there. Uh Are there any on the back? Are there any back there? Do we have some more? Probably a thousand of them. If you want to give Lynn an award, go back there in a minute and fill it out. So very briefly, I'm just going to read these very quickly to you, Lynn. Okay. Because I remember how long that took at the men's retreat. Sorry. Lakeway Certificate of Appreciation awarded to Lynn Moore for being the most huggable man. Oh, thank you. Benny Carrasco. Very nice. Lynn Moore for the Blessed and Star Award Giver. Paul Stravoki. Ah, very nice. Thank you, Paul. Awarded to Lynn Moore for, excuse me, waiter, my food is touching each other. (laughs) Bob Chesney. Thank you, Bob. (laughs) Lynn Moore for the spontaneous quipster. Ah, very good. Is that Bob Chesney, too? We got a bunch Uh, from Bob here. Oh, Bob's got a... Thank you, Bob. Bob's got a few. Lynn Moore for, you're not wrong, I'm just right. (laughs) Insurance agent to the stars. Yes, yes. The greatest of all greeters. Uh, Got to concur with that one. A a bunch of people emailed them to Bob, so these aren't Uh, all from Bob. Good, good to know. (laughs) Cats are only good for one thing. Amen. I don't know what the one thing is. (laughs) (laughs) The award. No, I do not want salad. That's for rabbits. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The King of the Dairy Queen Award from Randy Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, 
I'm half the man I used to be from Randy Thompson. <laughs> Thank you. How'd you like me now award, yeah. Randy Thompson? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Is that a new pair of cowboy boots? <laughs> <laughs> really? Mr. 54th Street. Yes. Mr. Microphone. Yes. <laughs> All true. And I know you've got some things up your sleeve here, yep. too. Always greeting by name with a hug, the yes. Larsons. Oh, thank you, Tim. That's so true, isn't it? Thank you. You're half the man you were when I met you. There's a theme yes. here. <laughs> I can't read who that's from. I know? can't. That's a serial handwriting. I, a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twisting my arm and making me go to the men's retreat uh, award from Wade. Ah, there you go, Wade. <laughs> Sorry, your arm still hurts. Sorry about that, buddy. Always greeting me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This one's a biggie. Oh, yes. I can't even read it. I, I cannot either. Always greeting me that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ and Jesus. Philippians 1.6. Oh, that's from Bibi in uh, oh, the Philippines, beautiful. right? That's beautiful. Being so kind and friendly for so many years, Kelly Biggs. Oh, how nice. Thank you, you don't Kelly. really know him, Kelly. <laughs> she does. She knows the real me. For knowing the world, Sandra Bishop. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> What do you mean we can't go to Falls Creek for the 10th year in a row? <laughs> Hector I know Leo. where that came from, Hector. Thank you. Excuse me. Do you have something important to say? I'm talking. <laughs> Hector. I said that at the men's retreat once or twice. Most likely to commit arson yes. <laughs> and get away with it. That's I'm right. not sure who that's from. Uh-huh. It knows me. <laughs> do you like to play with fire? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> when things don't go my way. The best Huggy Bear Award. Oh, thank you. Is that two there? Picky Eater Award. What? The best My Shirt Award. Ah. David Edmiston. He said, you're always after his shirts. Yeah. Bring an expert about cat, being an expert about cat behavior, Gwen Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. And being the best encourager. Oh, how nice. From me. Thank you so much. All right. So nice. Thank you. I'm going to get my stuff out of the way. That is so kind. And I just have a few notes to read. Um, Get comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I won't be long, I promise. Um, I want everybody to know here. This has been the most difficult decision I think I've ever had to make, and I love every single person in here. I know every single person in here, and this is this is difficult for me, but sometimes God begins to move in your life, and there's a ministry at a nursing home that I've been involved with for uh, six months or more, and I just, God is using me there, and I can't do both things. It's at the same time. I've been seeking God's will about this uh, these six months. It's funny, Colossians 3, by reading his word, meditating in prayer, singing mm-hmm. hymns, and, and reading psalms. And so I, I want to, for a moment, um, this is hard, um, to quote the great psalmist Neil Sadaka. Um, doo-doo, down, doobie-doo, down, down. <laughs> Comma, comma, down. Dooby-doo, down, down. Comma, comma, down. Dooby-doo, down, down. 
breaking up is hard to do. <laughs> um, I do have, that was it, um, I, <laughs> feel free to laugh. Uh, I do have th- three guys I need to come stand with me right now. Barry Faircloth, would you come? And Bob Chesney and Paul Stravoki, would you all come down? Sorry. You know, when somebody dies, there's a will, and they get stuff, right? Well, I'm not dying, as far as I know, but uh, unless you all know something. Um, but there is some things that I would like to pass along to these guys. Barry is going to be greeting at the front door. Uh, and so be, look forward to Barry and his beautiful shirts. And Barry, um, I kind of have to admonish him a little bit because he covets my front row parking spot in front of the church and has for a decade at least. Wouldn't you say, Sandra? Yeah. If, if Sandra's not in the car and I'm not there, he will park in my space. And it really isn't. But, my space. Uh, <laughs> you like that? Um, but... From the Denton County tax records, I have a property deed, uh, location 4000 North Colony Boulevard, the Colony, Texas, 75056. Property described as Lot 1, parking spot 1, as known and herein to referred to as the front row parking spot, to herewith convey to Barry Faircloth by Lynn Moore upon his promotion from pagan to... Greeter and expert lobbyist at Lakeway Baptist Church, the Colony, Texas, on this 13th day of February in the year of our Lord 2020, by all men addressed here, and it's signed by me and Moses. So, because Moses is the one that gave it to me. Oh, I thought it was because y'all the same age. Well, I'm a little younger, but just by a year or two. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, you were going to take it anyway. Um, Brother Paul is going to be the head teller now, so when you give your offerings and it's in paper, he'll be the one that will be counting it with the team of people. And uh, sadly, don't give cash because it just goes in his pocket. Um, No, I'm teasing. Um, The There you go. Um, Sometimes, unfortunately, people put counterfeit dollars in there, and I, I won't mention any members of the church by name, but... Some initials are Benny Carrasco. Um, so, Paul, I'm going to give you a, a little sample of a fake dollar that Benny will probably put in there and what a real dollar looks like. So I wanted you to see have that. No, you can't have this. Okay. And I just wanted to thank Lynn because he is the reason I'm at Lakeway. He invited me years ago to join a uh, Bible study uh, at like 5 in the morning on a Friday, and he invited me to the men's breakfast. And so I wanted to thank Lynn publicly for being the reason I'm here. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. All right, and my final bequeathment is to my best bud here, Bob. Best bud, Bob. I'll pay you for that, too. Yeah, $5 later on. Um, I'm worth more than that. A brother in our church, Mo Kinsley, made something for me that really helps. The doors here at Lakeway, the front door and the back doors, are difficult to lock and unlock, and there's kind of like this hole, and you you got to maneuver, and it's difficult. So he made something that we jokingly referred to as the Mo Key. So I have a Mo Key, and he made them for all the people that he loves, that he knew were, were in there working, but 
you know, apparently he didn't feel that way about Bob. So, um, <laughs> sorry, Bob. Bring donuts more often, and he'll love you. <laughs> so I want to present to you the Moki. And now you will be able to lock and unlock the doors. So, thanks. Guys, thank you all so much. Hey, seriously, though, um, I've been going to Lakeway for 20 years, Pam and I. And this guy is a, I'm going to cry. You're going to make me cry. I'm, I'm sorry. Now, he, um, he was the first face I saw at Lake Yossi every day. He um, forced me to go to a men's Bible study, which I lead now. Forced me to go to retreat. No, I'm supposed to keep it down so I don't muffle. Okay. So <laughs> I've always thought you keep it down so it doesn't muffle. Uh, so yeah, so his, his pushiness, his willing to make people serve is just amazing. I know, see? His admonition. He is, he is he's something else. And we're still going to be friends, of course. He's still coming in my small group. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of everybody here. To, for being who you are, just you're, you're yourself. Thank you so much, brother. Well, I'd like to say something about Lynn as well. Uh, Sandra and I started attending church here in February of 1990, and I wasn't as regular as Sandra was. And Sandra uh, began substitute teaching a few years after that. She was teaching at a place in Dallas. And she taught both of Lynn's daughters, I believe. Yes, she did. And she was trying to get a permanent job here. And I do blame Lynn for this, and I always have. <laughs> Lynn wrote a letter to the school district and to a principal about what a great teacher Sandra was. And Sandra got a full-time job teaching shortly after that letter was received, and that was in the 90s. He's affected our lives a lot. And... That's the kind of guy he is, and he always has been. I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Don't go. (laughs) He's got the paper to prove it. We want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brother in Christ, Lim Moore. Father, um, he is, I mean, gosh, he has been the face of Lakeway for so long. I thank you uh, for the courage that he's had to take this step because I know that it's not easy for him. And uh, as difficult as that is for all of us, he needs to be where you want him to be. And he is convinced that you want him to be in this ministry. And Father, for that, we pray your blessing upon him. Father, you go before him, you be behind him, unite him and his wife in this ministry. Father, bind them together with a spiritual bond of love that cannot be broken. And I pray that you would just pour your blessings out upon him because he seeks to be a blessing to those that he meets. Thank you for him, Father. Keep him safe. Keep him well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We love you, brother. Sadly, it's not the last time that we'll see Lynn. I mean... (laughs) He will be coming back. We, we invite him back for whatever events or whatever, whenever he wants to come visit. So that's, that's good. Hector, would you come up and give us the announcements, please? Wow, what a powerful Sunday. 
First of all, I got six texts. People want to come and take me out to lunch for some reason. Probably has to do something with your message. Um, <laughs> what do you all think about the carpet? Isn't God good? The stage is about to get black carpet just like this, and we're waiting for it to come in. But uh, gosh, we've been talking about Fixer Upper for, what, six years, five years. Different stages from, what do you mean we're going to paint the ceiling black? I mean, God is just so good, and he's blessed us in so many ways. But let me share something with you. We've had uh, several different transitions where the screen's uh, broken, and we're looking at replacing it. Or we're going to take a leap of faith, but we need your help. We're talking about getting television screens, two big old 90-inch televisions, so we can be more modernized. But here's the ask. Beyond your your weekly or monthly tithes and offerings, if you'd like to donate to Lakeway as far as fixer-upper, we would gladly accept those donations. And at the same time, uh, we're praying about some of the things that we're looking to do that's going to be beyond our year's budget. So please keep that in prayer. If it's $25 a week or whatever the case may be, just keep that in your prayers. And then just make your donations and put fixer-upper on it. A couple things. Ladies, this is for you. HeartStrong Faith Women's uh, Conference, February 25th to the 26th. Uh, Starts Friday from 7 to 10. Saturday is 9 to 3. Great opportunity to get away. $71. See my wife, Kelly Leal, if you have any questions. Um, Here's another one for the ladies. Ladies, are you ready to just take another weekend off, relax, get away from all your frustrations? Maybe... I don't know, hire a babysitter, go out as a bunch of ladies and go have dinner or something like that or take a long, nice bath? If so, on April 1st through the 3rd, send your frustrations to the men's retreat. We'd love to have them. (laughs) Guys, this is for you. So right now, ladies, here's your opportunity. Don't even ask your husbands. But see that scan bar? Go ahead and register them online right now. I, I, you know what? This is a challenge. Do we have $100? Come on. We're, we're going to start sending men to the men's retreat to make a life change. So, ladies, I, I challenge you to scan that barcode. But all seriousness aside, I mean, guys, let me tell you something. What a life-changing experience, and that's what we're looking to do. We're a bunch of broken men. We want to become better husbands, better fathers better leaders in our households, at work, at church, etc. Guys, help me just live life trying to do the best we can. Join Men's Retreat. It's only $115. Um, We're going to have free t-shirts. We're going to have food Friday evening at 6.30, breakfast, lunch. I ordered 35 steaks yesterday. I went ahead and going to have them purchased, and we might even get 45. We'll see. But join us for Men's Retreat. I guarantee it. People that have gone there said, you know what, I can't imagine not being part of that. And invite people. Last but not least, if you're new to Lakeway, if you're online, uh, we do have a, we're glad you're, you're here. If you have a comment to make, uh, just fill it out. Put it in the offering basket as you walk out the door. Your tithes and offerings, if you're online, you can go ahead and just go to Tidely and just uh, log into our website and just uh, make your offering, offerings and tithes there. If not, if you're local, just drop off your envelope. And then uh, prayer request. Guys, we're a church. Somebody always said or said one time, we're a, pardon, we're a, 
We're a hospital for sinners. We're not a, a resort for saints. And prayers are very important. If you have a prayer request, you can keep it confidential or you can have people know about it. Just fill it out. Put it in the offering basket as you walk out. And uh, it's amazing how prayer works. And you can do it online as well. So with that, let me go ahead and close this. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank you for the blessings that you upon, you placed upon this church. Lord, the fixer-upper, the new carpet, the new stage. Lord, as churches are closing down, gosh, we just thank you for your hand on Lakeway. We thank you for each and every body that's in here, Lord. Protect us and guide us. Allow us to be the people that you called us to be. Uh, not just sayers of the word, but doers of the Lord. Bless us, protect us, and let us be obedient to what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen. you're dismissed. Have a great week.